0: They don't know this, but I watched them one time. I don't think they saw me. I um, spent a lot of time at the camp, and I don't know if Dan knows this, but I went in the woods a lot while I was at camp. And uh, there was one time where there was a couple, it was a cute couple, walking hand in hand down the trail, and it was the Hamiltons. They didn't know I was watching. After their many years of marriage, they still walk hand in hand when nobody's looking. I don't know if you knew that. Did y'all know I saw you doing that? No. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how often they did that, but I caught them once doing that. So I'm thankful to be here because I have been doing uh, online church mostly during all of this time, during this pandemic that's gone on forever. I look forward to meeting you if I haven't met you already, right there at those doors at the end. I understand there's a question and answer time you normally do, I'd like to talk to your leaders about a way to be even more accessible than that so that you can have more time to do that rather than after the service uh, question and answer so I want to talk about that but I'll I'll be at the door if you want to talk to me then I won't be shaking your hand I work with uh, a lot of Native Americans and it just wouldn't make a good news story you know pastor kills off uh, tribal elders so I just want to be careful I'll be elbow bumping or whatever you wanna do so that we can try to be as accommodating as we can and being safe and people being comfortable. I'm thankful for the people in the parking lot that are listening. I don't know when I'll get to meet them, but maybe someday. The message will be available on a podcast audio link. We'll get that to you somehow, uh, but we'll get the message uh, once I'm able to make sure it's trimmed on both ends. Then we'll uh, get that out to you. And I want to give you up front, there's a video we'll make available to you also. You might want to write it down. It'll be on my uh, YouTube channel, which is Guncar, G-U-N-C-A-R-R. You'll be able to find it on there uh, if you need it and you want to share it with other people. And it'll let you know for the next seven weeks, if the Lord's willing, here's the, the plan. My intention was, as I spoke to your elders, I would like to talk about No Bad Days, and as I was preparing for this, it's kind of my mantra. It's kind of something I try to live by. I fail sometimes. But I wanted to be able to, to share with you in one message. But there, there's a lot, so I wanted to make sure you got everything uh, that you need. But really, it's not about you. <laughs> it's uh, This is stuff I need. And I hope that you can relate. So there's a plan. If you have uh, neighbors or coworkers... Uh, that you might identify as manly men. The 24th and the 31st might be the best times to invite them to the parking lot or bring them in here, however you want to do that. But let's talk about no bad days, if you don't mind. That's my mantra. I, I uh, wear a wristband. It says no bad days on it in a couple of languages. But if I struggle and I'm tempted to flip it around, it says attitude is a choice on the inside. And if I flip it around, it's it's easier for other people to read attitude is a choice. So if I've got a bad attitude, it lets everybody know that's my fault. I chose that. So most of the time I don't flip it around. It's embarrassing. I must tell you, I've never had a bad day. I've had some hard ones. When my mother passed away, that was extraordinarily hard. I won't get into that. It was still wasn't a bad day. If I wasn't so close to her, then it wouldn't have hurt so bad. So it was good. I could dwell on, I had a loving mother who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself for many years. Pray with me if you don't mind. God, thank you so much for allowing us to meet together in these crazy times. Lord, if there's any distractions amongst us, help us to focus on you and what you have for us this morning. If there is something that's weighing us down, Lord, take that burden from us, please. Open our eyes, open our minds. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to show you quickly a timeline of Jesus. In his life on earth, you can see his birth and you can see his death dates there, approximate. But I want to show you a little sequence of events. Here they are you've got his baptism, and they'll all pop up, all kind of conglomerated. His 40 days of temptation, if you remember, or his 40 days of fasting, and then his temptations after that. And if you'll remember the way the the devil did it, he's so deceiving, he's so sneaky, he's so conniving. Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days, and the first thing he does is say, Hey, you see those stones? Don't those look like rolls? You can can just smell it, can't you? You're the creator of the universe. You can make those into bread. And you remember the rest of it. uh, We're not going to dwell on that today. But I wanted to show you, uh, then after the temptation, right after that, he began to preach. But what did he preach? You might have an idea, but let's look exactly what it says in Matthew chapter 4. What does it say as he began to preach? From that time, Jesus began to preach. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time, meaning that that's what he preached perpetually. What was the main idea? Repent! Repent! You see it up behind me. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's the Greek word. You can see that up behind me, and you might say, well, that's Greek to me. So here's a transliteration. These are just the English letters dropped down. Metanoeo is the Greek word. It's a, it's a compound word. It's two put together. And what it actually equals or means is change your mind. So Jesus preached from that time forward. His preaching ministry was change your mind. Now that's interesting to me that that's Jesus message. You also remember that in Acts, remember when the apostles in in Acts chapter 2, they they preached where every language that was there heard their own language. They heard the gospel message and and ultimately it ultimately landed on Peter. He was the he took over and he ended up giving it to him hard. He landed, you know, In uh, in verse uh, 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In verse 37, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So at this point, they're already believers. What did Peter say? You're good. You believe, so you're good. No, he didn't. The first thing out of his mouth, look at verse 38. You probably know this already. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit what was the first word out of his mouth repent same thing change your mind what did they need to change their mind about they they were already believers they already believed that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God well they needed to make a decision are you going to accept Him as Savior and live for Him as Lord, as He is your Lord? That's a big decision. Changing your mind so that you will now live for Him. It's not about you anymore. It's about Him. That's a big decision. So He says, repent. And then you remember, many people were baptized. And also, we could fast forward all the way to the book of Revelation. And you can get the message in Revelation early on. Look at this. We'll go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, repent and repent once again. So from the time that Jesus began preaching and all the way to Revelation. That's the message. Change your mind. It's something we're supposed to continually do. After we've decided to make Jesus Lord, we're going to constantly be learning. Remember when Jesus said that we have to become like a child? Does that mean we're immature? No, it means we're like a child and that children are always learning. Have you noticed, driving down the road, what's that? What does that mean? Why? All those questions. Then you become adults and then you want to act like you already know everything. Well, actually, that starts as teenagers, I know. But then as you become adults, trust me, I know this. I, I, I meet with lots of pastors. I've done it for many years. and a room full of the ultimate in people that you think would understand that Christians are supposed to be learning all the time, forever learning. That's what discipleship is. Learn, you know, A disciple is a learner. But in a room full of pastors, I must admit... Very rarely does anyone in that setting admit they didn't know something. It's as if we're afraid to admit we're still learning. We're the pastors. We're supposed to know. We don't know everything. we still got a lot to learn. It seems like the more I learn, the more I realize I've got a long ways to go. But the idea is repent, change your mind. That's a a very much a basic tenet of Christianity. We're supposed to live our lives constantly learning and changing our minds. You can go into the Old Testament. You remember, I won't get into it in great detail, but Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah? Most of you know it. If you don't, you should look it up. It's very easy to find. There's a book called Jonah. You can read about it, and it's pretty cool. So there's a guy that's a mouthpiece of God. So he's a leader. He's supposed to do what God tells him to do. He has a plan for him. And maybe you can relate to Jonah. Sometimes as life unfolds and God wants you to do something, you hesitate, you resist, and that's exactly what Jonah did. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. And so then God decided, you know, I still want you to do it anyway. And he put him through some very difficult days. There weren't very many days, but it's far more difficult than the pandemic we're going in. He's in the belly of a big fish, where his body is beginning to be eaten away by the acids in the stomach of this fish, and he's there for four days. And it seems impossible. How are we going to get through this pandemic? Oh, I was talking about the fish. But it seems like it just drags on and on, and it just feels like, I don't know if I can survive. I'm sure Jonah felt that. But God got his attention, (laughs) and Jonah Did what God wanted him to do, and I hope you do as well. I want to talk about this concept of changing your mind, and I want to talk to you about it in the form of a thing called cognitive behavioral therapy. Have you heard of this? If you are ever forced into a situation where a judge says you must have counseling, if you're incarcerated and you are forced into counseling, if you are in uh, any type of counseling in modern times today, you're going to go through what is known as cognitive behavioral therapy. Let me explain quickly for you. First of all, we talk about thinking. That's the first process. you got to get your thinking right. Notice how it changed from red to green. Once you get your thinking right, then that absolutely impacts your feeling, how you feel, and then once your feelings are adjusted because your thinking was right, then this impacts your behavior. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy in a nutshell, but let me tell you a little bit more about it. Once your behavior is is right, then that actually impacts your thinking. Isn't that interesting how this works? In fact, there's a servo thing that's going on where all of them are impacting each other. Once your thinking is straightened out, then your feelings are more in line with where they should be and your behavior improves. And then once your feelings are right, then your thinking is a little bit better and your behavior is better. Once your behavior is right, then your thinking's a little bit better and your feelings are a little bit better. They work with each other. But the first thing and the main thing is the thinking. you got to get that right. Modern psychology now today is finally caught up with a biblical truth that's been around for a couple thousand years and beyond change your mind that's what Jesus preached from the beginning that's that's where it went through the book of Revelation that's the that's the idea is you, you need to constantly be learning because God's got stuff for you you can read this book over and over and over again and I, I know there's people in this room who've read many times through the Bible and the Bible doesn't change But you learn how it applies all different kinds of ways as you go through life. And you learn more about the wisdom of God and how his wisdom is so much greater than ours. So you change your mind. (laughs) The the world's finally caught up. Cognitive behavioral therapy works. It's about time they figured it out. That's what Jesus preached. Change your mind. In fact, this is so revolutionary, there's now a new field of study And it's, I'll show you this image of a brain. I tried to find, this is called neuroplasticity. I tried to find a GIF, an animated GIF for your learning pleasure so that you could see how this works. But guess what? I couldn't find it. And I got Google. Look for it. See if you can find Um, neuroplasticity. See if you can find an animated GIF because I could use it, but I couldn't find it. So I have this one. It shows that the brain's active, it does all kinds of things. But what is neuroplasticity? Anybody here know what that is? Raise your hand if you do. It's pretty new. In fact, just a couple years ago, if you would have typed it into Google, it would have told you you misspelled it. That's how new it is. It's it's changing the, the field of psychology and psychiatry because what they've discovered, and we knew some things all along, but now they've actually been able to determine this really happens. When you think a certain way for a period of time, your brain begins to hardwire itself to more naturally think that way. But it's more than that. It actually changes its physical form in order for you to more naturally think like that. They've discovered this all kinds of ways. One of the ways they started beginning to understand this was they started seeing patients that would have brain damage, and that brain damage should mean that they should no longer be able to do something. And then that part of their brain is no longer there. It's it's dead. There's no blood supply anymore. And yet these patients, somehow their brain remaps itself and it learns how to do these things sometimes. Depression and anxiety. Those are very real things in this pandemic time, don't you think? And one of the things that we know is that there are actually effective medications that can help us get back on track but one of the things we learn with neuro neuroplasticity is our brain actually reforms because if we think a certain way over a period of time it begins to more naturally start firing that way and it reforms itself so that it just becomes more natural now this is the way it plays out and the world is has quotes like this I want to give you this one this is kind of funny the man with limburger cheese on his lip thinks the whole world thinks yeah so You've met people like this, right? This negative attitudes they're always negative. Drag everybody down and they stay down. And they, they're stuck in this rut because that's the way they've been thinking for so long that it's hard for them to get out of it. And there's negative, negative, negative. Nobody wants to be known as this negative person, but people do get stuck there. Life circumstances come and, and people sometimes let those circumstances shape their brains. And physically this is happening. The brain reshapes and it just becomes more natural at being negative if if you've been negative for a while. The Bible tells us something about this as well. The New King James Version, I've been using the English Standard Version, but in the New King James Version, you can see this verse in Proverbs 23.7. The first part of the verse says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. It says more about this throughout the Bible as well. I'll just give you a few verses this morning, because for the sake of time, that's what we're limited to. But I want to give you this. 2 Corinthians, I'm having trouble reading this. I'm going to read it on the back wall. You can read it behind me. Chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Did you see that? Take every thought captive to obey Christ. We're back to change your mind. Jesus spoke of this as he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Some brilliant words for us to live by. He said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at this one. And which of you, by being anxious... Can add a single hour to his lifespan. You ever thought about that? How much time are you adding to your day by worrying about things? As you think about it that way, you realize oh, yeah, the more I worry, the more I just waste time, especially if it's something beyond your control. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So don't misunderstand. God knows we need these things. But look at this verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you just think for a moment about what that means... So maybe you've got some things going on. In this world, maybe it's financial struggles. Maybe it's a job issue. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's family struggles. Whatever it is you're going through, it's real easy to focus on the struggles that are real. They're very tangible. You're having to deal with them. But think about how therapeutic it would be if you prioritize something other than your difficult circumstances. Jesus said, I know you're going through this. I know you've got these. Our Father knows your needs. But if you simply will focus on the kingdom, what you're supposed to be focused on as a Christian, focused on sharing Jesus with lost people, making sure that people who know Jesus remember That he loves them and cares for them and wants to guide them through their own struggles. If you stay focused, in other words, if you prioritize Jesus and everything else becomes secondary, God helps us get through the rest and he takes care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you as well. And think about the therapy. If you're prioritizing and people of this world don't get it, let's say... We have somebody, I don't know everybody here, so maybe if somebody's here who doesn't know Christ, you might be struggling to get this idea, put Jesus first. You might be thinking, well, I'd like to put my family first. That makes me a better father, better man. If I put my family first, or maybe a mother's thinking, I, I need to put my family first. Who's, who else is going to care for the whole family? I'm the matriarch. You know, Whatever it is you're thinking, maybe you think that if I prioritize my family, then God's good with that. Let me explain something to you. If you prioritize Jesus, then you just elevated your family. Because he's there when you're not. And he listens when you pray. And think about the the, the therapy. When you prioritize Jesus, then you're not focused on your problems. When you're coddling your problems they get bigger in your own mind and they take over and they prevent sleep and they cause you to forget things and to make mistakes you wouldn't normally make prioritize Jesus when you do that everything else becomes secondary begin to change your mind the way he wants you to do it and you begin to think in a way that's pleasing to the father and we all want that Look at the last verse in that text. Verse 34. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Life may be going just all rosy for you, and then one day, boom, there's that phone call. There's that thing that happened you were not expecting, just blindsides you out of the blue. Boom. Every day. You never know what trouble's gonna come, but trouble can come. Why worry? It's gonna happen. Don't dwell on it. Now, what I'd like to do now is I wanna show you that video I mentioned earlier. I wanna go ahead and uh, play it for you now, and then I'll just say a couple more things, but I'm gonna step down here so I can watch the video as well. Friend, that he heard about my little wristband, no bad days thing, and he had he said to me, he's kind of he tells it like it is. He said, "Um, I don't believe that for a minute. Talked to him for a little while. He's an atheist, so I had to talk to him from um, his perspective. But then after I was done talking with him, he wanted one, and and then he wanted one for his daughter. And now he wears them. No bad days. It's a hard mantra to live by. It's, it requires making sure your attitude's right. Attitude is a choice. But Jesus preached, change your mind. And, and there's something that was said in, I'll give you a clue, it's in Philippians, but you can look it up, about having the same attitude as Christ. I mean, we just sang some songs about this. He didn't consider equality with God something to be clung to. He actually came. And he went through stuff on earth so that we could be close to him. So I choose to have no bad days. I want to give you a verse. This is the verse where, that I actually <laughs> made these wristbands for. It's a verse that... Uh, probably my favorite verse Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and that's why I can say never had a bad day maybe you're here this morning and you need to make a decision maybe you hear the call loud and clear maybe you understand I've been thinking in a way that's not pleasing to the father It'd be easy to do in this world that we're inundated with so much negativity. You can't turn the television on without negativity. You can't turn social media on without negativity. And somebody somewhere trying to shape your thinking. But Jesus wants you to think in a way that's pleasing to him, Christians. And maybe you've gotten caught up in some of the negativity. Maybe when I was talking about a negative people that none of us want to be, maybe you began to think, I wonder how people walk away thinking about me. I wonder if, wonder if when I get off the phone with my son or my daughter, my other family member, or, I, wonder, I wonder when I'm done at work, what people think of me. Am I a negative person? Or is my witness a good one? Do they want what I have? Or are they repulsed by my attitude? Maybe you're one that started self-evaluating and thinking, you know what? He said this is not about you, but it feels like it's all about me. Maybe you need to, maybe you don't need to come forward. We're going to, we have a song of decision. Is that what we do now? I don't know. We don't. You need to make a decision. Uh, Get with somebody you know here one of the leaders, you can talk to me afterwards. If you need to make a decision, we'd welcome you to come forward um, in front of the church if you would like, or you can talk to me, I'll be at those double doors. Uh, Talk to somebody that you're close to here. If you know somebody in your family that's a close Christian, talk to them and ask them, what should I do? Maybe you need to just simply have a simple conversation just between you and the Lord. God, forgive me. I know I've been too negative. I, I don't want to drag other people down. I want people to be drawn to you and me. Lord, help me with that. And maybe, maybe you're one who's thinking, I, you know what? I don't think anybody thinks that way of me. I dare you to do this. I, I, I just dare you. When you pray, say to the Lord, Lord, do you see me as being too negative sometimes? Lord? do I need to change some of my thinking? About the time you dare ask that question, oh, the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you, and you'll know. You'll know. Let me pray for you, and then my part will be done. God, thank you so much for...